Good morning, Mike Broomhead. Wow, it looks beautiful out there yeah, this morning. Yeah, what a beautiful, what a difference over the last couple yes, of days. It is yeah. beautiful. A little crisp, but very beautiful outside. <laughs> Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we are going to start off this morning local, local, local. The governor of the state of Arizona laid out her budget plans. Uh, governor Hobbs has laid out what she would like in a budget. Both the, uh, both chambers of the legislature rolling out their budget as well. And we are going to see what happens. But a couple of things I want to talk about in this rollout and the things that the governor, governor has stated. Not sitting very well with some people. We're going to start off talking about ESA, and in a few moments we'll talk about new cabinet positions when it comes to public safety. The Department of Public Safety has a new director, Department of Corrections, and the Department of Revenue. All new directors. We'll talk about that in the next segment of the show, so we'll stay local here in this first hour. Um, GOP lawmakers skewer Hobbs' budget at Capitol as school voucher advocates protest rollbacks, chanting ESA is here to stay. Supporters of the Empowerment Scholarship Account Program vowed to fight to keep the program that lawmakers expanded. Um, nearly 46,000 children now get their schooling through an ESA program. Here is where the rub is on this. We can talk about rhetoric and hyperbole, or we can talk about uh, what's going on factually. Uh, the Arizona schools have underperformed. We understand that, although we've got some excellent schools. This is what is so strange. When you look at how the performance statewide is, and it seems to be fairly low compared to national averages, but when you look at the highest standards in the best schools in the country, there are some schools in Arizona that rank very high, if not at the top of the list. Of course, the basis schools scoring very, very high. Um, every... Um, I love to use sports analogies. If you listen, you know that. Um, if you go back and look historically, for people a little bit older like I am, a Buddy Ryan, who was an Arizona head coach for a while, but he made his name, he made his bones with the Bears and the 46-zone defense that was, uh, in 1985, only one loss for the Bears. They went on to win the Super Bowl. It was an amazing season, but it was that, that defense that was really so well-known. If you go back to the 1970s, the Pittsburgh Steelers and their steel curtain defense, Defense that was so well known. And if you look at what's happened with offenses as well, you look at the repetition, you look at copying, whatever you want to call it. Um, when you see something that works, you model something close to it. You say, man, that is working. How do we make that work for us? You look at how... Um, there are some coaches for known that are known for using the tight end and using them differently, and you see other coaches that work under them. You look at all of the coaches that have worked under Bill Belichick, if you're a football fan, and you see how little bits of that philosophy have sunk into the philosophies of those coaches as they go on with their careers. And it really is something that all of us should do. When there is something that works really, really well, you're not going to steal it 100%, but you're certainly going to take the, some of the principles, and you're going to make them your own, and you're going to say, if this model Model works. Let's take this model and make it our own. When it comes to education, why aren't we doing that? Well, here's the knock. The public education advocates, or they call themselves public education advocates, the ones that don't want to see changes to the system as failing as it might be, say, well, it's all jaded. Those numbers are jaded at a place like a basis school because they handpick their students and all of these other things. And I will say something to you that I know as sure as I am sitting here. We set the standards for children too low. Um, 
Well, I, I, uh, I've mentioned before, I coached Pop Warner and I coached high school football, and I love both. I really love uh, being a part of a team to begin with, but I love watching these young men become great athletes. Now there's even some girls that are playing, which I think is phenomenal as well, that I like watching a team form. I like watching them get it, that you have to work together. But I will tell you, when we started, uh, we took over, when I say we, there were four or five of us that coached together for years, and I was not the head coach. I was one of the assistant coaches. But the coaching staff took over a program that hadn't won a game in two or three seasons. We were invited to everybody's homecoming. And we made changes immediately. And right away, the change we made was high standards. And it was high standards in the classroom. There was a rule. And we, we recruited in an area. In Pop Warner, there's a recruiting district. You have going in a certain geographical area. We recruited in a very poor part of town. It was called Harlem Heights, still is, Harlem Heights. And the kids we recruited were not doing very well in school sometimes. We had a standard on the team. You will maintain a C average. If you're not doing your homework, you will bring your homework to football practice. You will not practice with the team. You'll sit on the uh, picnic tables, and coaches are going to watch you do your homework. You're going to show up for the games on Saturday. You're not going to play because you didn't practice, but you're going to be the water boy, and you're going to support your team. And I'm proud to say that as much as we went on to win a bunch of football games, we had kids that maintained really good grade point averages. They went on to be very successful people in the classroom and beyond that. Now, it wasn't all our doing, but when you set the bar high and the standard high, young people will meet it, especially when you're dangling a carrot like something they want to do as much as sports. When it comes to education, the Arizona academic system is not meeting the mark. So parents are begging for differences. Look at the different avenues we have for education in Arizona. We have charter schools. We have homeschooling. We have micro schools. We have private schools. We have public schools. This ESA expansion allows families to choose which is the right model for their child. How do you take that away from families? I, I don't understand how on any level this is a bad idea unless unless you are someone that wants to make sure you have a stranglehold on the dollars. And right now, the way our district schools are set up, they're autonomous. Now, I'm not being insulting. I'm just pointing out what's happening. So the money from the state is allocated for education, which it is. The districts receive that money, and the superintendent and the school boards dictate how every dollar is spent. There is no oversight. There is none of that. Now, there are federal requirements with federal dollars, of course, but the school districts are the ones that spend the money. So they're the ones that choose the curriculum that they purchase. There are some curriculums out there that are very good that are free, but they choose the curriculums they want to purchase. Parents should be asking them how much you're spending. You're complaining that there's not enough money in the district, but what are you spending the money on? These are the questions that parents should be asking. And as long as the system is not performing up to snuff, as long as we are seeing well under 50 percent of third graders not able to read at grade level, when we're seeing well under 50 percent of eighth graders not performing math skills at grade level, parents have every right to say, I don't care what differences we make, what changes we make, but we are not going to stay locked into a system that isn't working. That doesn't mean the teachers don't care. I don't mean that at all. Doesn't mean school board members don't care. It means you're not getting it right. Cliff Kingsbury just got fired from the Arizona Cardinals. He got fired because of a dismal performance, and he did not get the job done. And on his way out the door, 
the owner, Michael Bidwill, said of him, and I'm paraphrasing, said of, of Cliff Kingsbury, he's one of the hardest working people I've ever seen in my life. He deserved better results. But the fact of the matter is, no matter how hard you're trying, if you're not getting results in a league like the NFL, where results matter, and I mean results right now matter, then you're not you, you're you're not going to keep your job. If there is a there is a level of excellence that is required in that premier league of the NFL that anything short of excellence is not tolerated. That's how the standard is so high. That's why the best athletes in the world play football, or best athletes in America play football many times. It's why they make millions and millions of dollars. It's why it's so highly rated on television because they have a standard of excellence. We as parents have a right to require a standard of excellence for our children. And we have to admit we need to be involved. We have to make sure that they learn to read early, that they enjoy learning, that there is parental responsibility. But when you have a system that's been exactly the same, I've been here for 28 years almost. It'll be 28 years next month. And the system hasn't changed really in Arizona, except we've given people more options. And then when another option works, when you see homeschool kids excelling or when you see micro schools popping up and they're getting good results, when the basis schools pop up and they're one of the best in the country, the naysayers say, well, it's the model. It's because they're handpicking their students. Why aren't we looking at the models that work and say we need need to adapt that. Why aren't we adapting some of these principles? And I'll go even further. I was one of those students that was a distraction in the classroom. There's no doubt about it. I did not take high school seriously. I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a criminal. I was just a class clown. I wanted to work. School was a waste of time for me, and I wasted everybody else's time. They asked me to leave. Now, they didn't throw me out. They suggested I leave and go do something else. When you have kids that are focused, and it's a, look, I'll go back to the sports analogy. If you get on the football team, if you decide you're going to go out for the football team or the softball team or whatever sport you're going to play, and you just don't care. Your mom or your dad made you do it. You had to do something. You thought you'd like it, but you don't like it. And you don't hustle and you don't run and you don't do the exercises. You don't show up for the weight program. You're just kind of wearing a uniform and standing around. The coaches are going to ask you to leave the team. Why? Because A, you're not meeting the standard, and B, you're a distraction to the people that are there to perform. And there's nothing wrong with that reality check for a young person that says, if you are going to behave like this, you're only hurting yourself because we are not going to allow you to distract the students that are here to learn. So we should be looking at these things. And I think Arizona parents have every single right to require an ESA program, this program stays the way it is because as long as the system in Arizona is failing, and it is, the parents should be able to demand to do whatever they want to make sure their child gets an education. And I don't know how that's easy to argue for anybody. I mean, you can argue that it's going to bankrupt public education. Every expert I've talked to says that's not the case. That's a scare tactic. But the fact of the matter is, you're the parent, it's your tax dollars, and most importantly, it's your child. You should be able to take your tax dollars and your child and apply that money to the best possible education that offers the specific needs or addresses the specific needs of your child, period. This is why so many parents are up in arms about this. And I'll tell you, I'm glad they're doing it. I think it's phenomenal.
Coming up in a moment, the governor announces new public safety cabinet positions. Uh, the Tempe police chief becomes DPS director. We have a DOC director and a DOR director. We will address all of them coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Cause your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. All right, try to spend the day getting that song out of your head now. You're welcome. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, We appreciate you spending some time. Governor Hobbs made an announcement of cabinet members focused on improving public safety and growing the Arizona economy. So uh, let's start in order uh, here on this list. Jeff Glover, who is currently the Tempe police chief or just resigned, will become the director of the DPS. Um, He is uh, serving the department in a variety of capacities. Um, He was appointed chief of police in Tempe in October of 2020. He holds a bachelor's degree in education from Northern Arizona University, master's degree in public administration. And she is also a graduate of the FBI National Academy Command School. So that is the first uh, the first change. The Department of Corrections in Arizona, Ryan Thornell or Thornell. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. I apologize. Director of Department of Corrections. He's been serving in the corrections system for more than 18 years, currently as the deputy commissioner of corrections for the main Department of Corrections. He will be relocating to Arizona. And then in Arizona, the uh, Rob Woods is the director of the Department of Revenue. He was appointed to the Department of Revenue in March of 21 after serving as the deputy director. So those are the changes that are made. is that we obviously new governor, new direction. Um, we look at some of the leadership we've seen. The previous DPS director, uh, Heston Silbert, um, a cop for a very long time. Uh, he resigned uh, a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago. Retired, I should say. Didn't resign. Retired a, a, a while ago. Um, What's interesting here is the quote from the governor. Now, I I don't want to read too much into this because this is from a press release. This is not um, this is not a, a statement. But in the press release, um, the governor says maintaining public safety and restoring trust in these critical institution is a major priority for our administration. Um, it is interesting. She goes on to say, I have the utmost confidence that these directors have the expertise and wherewithal to take on the challenges and opportunities in their departments. So uh, we know that there's been some big headlines recently about the Department of Corrections in, in Arizona with medical care. We uh, uh, we know that we're hearing stories about induced labor of, of uh, inmates. And so I understand a little bit of what's being said, said in that statement, if it's specifically the DOC. But when uh, when Heston Silbert left, uh, Colonel Silbert left the post, uh, he was very complimentary and understanding of the governor's choice to move in a different direction with the agency. He understood that these are the way things are. He thanked the state of Arizona. He thanked the previous governor for the opportunity to lead the organization. He had nothing but high praise for the men and women that serve in the Department of Public Safety. And I want to remind everyone of something about DPS. It is not just sworn troopers. That is a huge part of what they do, and that is the face of DPS. But they have so many unsworn civilian employees that do so many important jobs, the state radio system, evidence. Um, They have a crime lab where other smaller towns don't um, it, it is there it is such a big organization and what they do that's why they're not just state troopers and when I say just I mean it's not all they do it is truly the Department of Public
public safety across the state of Arizona. And it's an agency and an organization that runs very well. I've had the privilege over a few years of, uh, of being the MC at their uh, Employee of the Year ceremonies and got to read off the accomplishments of not only their sworn troopers, but of their unsworn civilian employees. And I can tell you that the accomplishments within that agency are stellar, and they've done some amazing things. So I don't want to read too much into the governor's statement, but when you have – an agency like DPS, and I will tell you that I truly think that DPS on the roadways, whether it's the roadside assistance trucks that are out there, troopers on motorcycles, troopers in vehicles, whether they're running a DUI task force or accident scenes or whatever it is that they do, the investigations, the border strike force, um, they are true ambassadors to the state of Arizona. They truly are the best of the best, and they take that uniform seriously and the responsibility seriously. I've never had an encounter with a trooper that wasn't 100% professional in Arizona. Now, that doesn't mean that I know the inner workings of the agency, because I certainly don't. I certainly don't. But to make a statement that maintaining public safety and restoring trust in these critical institutions is a major priority for our administration, I would love to be able to have a, a conversation with the governor and ask her what she means. Uh, I don't know that – I don't think she meant it as an insult, but the, the reading into this, you're reading this and saying, well, where was the public not trusting DPS? Now, I understand the issues at DOC, whether – and we don't know what the story is here at DOC yet. We don't know what the issues are there. We do know a judge has stepped in and said that we have to um, – they have a, a, fine, a defined amount of time to fix some of the issues with medical and mental health issues um, for inmates. But um, there was no qualifier. It, it was three agencies, three new directors, and we're going to restore faith. Now, I, I don't – I look at that and I think when I look at DPS, I don't know anything about morale inside. I don't know the inside politics of DPS under Heston Silbert. Um, I don't know any of those things, and not just uh, Colonel Silbert, but the entire command staff that was there. And I, I knew them casually. Again, I would see them at events, so I knew them casually. Um, I, I look at that and I think – if I were a member of that command staff that's left or if I was Colonel Silbert who had just retired, I would read that statement and want a clarification and want to know exactly what – is she talking about DPS and where exactly is the public lost trust in that agency if in fact that's what she meant. So I hope that the governor will clarify. I hope somebody will have an opportunity to speak with her and ask her that clarification because I think it's a fair thing to ask. What exactly did you mean? Restore faith in which of the three agencies or is it all three agencies? I think it would be an interesting question. Coming up in a moment, Gatos is going to join me, and it's our Big Q poll question of the day, so I hope you'll stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Good morning, Gatos. Oh, that doesn't sound good. What doesn't? What happened to your voice? I just had to clear my throat. What? What's going on? Are you sick again? Not at all. Nope. Oh, I okay. feel I feel fit as a fiddle. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you were to roll back that that hello, Gatos, that was pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, it was. Man. It was. But I don't know what happened because uh, as soon as like, I cleared my throat, I was fine. You got like eight frogs I was in just, your throat. I was just nervous. Just nervous about talking to you. You You're know how it is. nervous about talking to me. You got you had a frog in your throat. I, I did, but I'm do, better do need, now. Are we really going to go over this? Is this what we're going to do? Tea? Do you need some hot tea? Maybe I do. I do. Some you know lemon. I mean? 
Oh, put a little lemon in there. A little whiskey? <laughs> It'd make the show better. That's what my grandmother used. That's what my grandfather my grandmother used to cure a cold. Tea, a little half a shot of whiskey when you were a little kid, and a little bit of lemon wrap you up in a blanket. And even oh. if you stayed sick, you didn't care. I, I don't. I don't. I kind of <laughs> want to be sick. I want some of that See? stuff. Speaking of which, can I can I give a little behind the scenes picture real quick? Sure. You and your wife brought in cookies yesterday, and I'm not a big sweets guy. Okay. Those orange cookies were phenomenal. Yeah, my wife. And your could wife bake. should sell those. Yeah, she could bake. I've oh never... my gosh! Yeah, well, you had one of her Christmas cookies, right? It's the most. No, I didn't. You know what? Oh. I stayed away from the Christmas cookies. Oh, but dude. you brought the cookies in the studio. I had one. They oh. were delicious. Yeah, she can bake. It's oh my gosh! I don't know how you're not 400 pounds. I know. You know how we bring those into the radio oh, station. Oh yes, you do. Yeah. In that so... in that softball body of yours, all the exercise you get. <laughs> oh yeah, all the exercise I get exactly. Uh, yeah, if she bakes, we have a couple and then we bring them into the radio station smart let everybody move. else have it smart move serious I'll, you're right i'll weigh what 800 pounds can't yeah. do it yeah all right i got a minute left what do you got for a question sure let's do it here we go um you can only run for the arizona house of representatives or senate if you are 25 or older and right. some lawmakers are pushing to lower the age to 18 do you agree yes or no uh no, I, no. Keep it at twenty-five. You gotta have you gotta have folks with real life experience. You're not married at eighteen, probably. You don't have a kid at eighteen. You know, you can still live. You know, on your parents' insurance at eighteen. Twenty-five is a pretty good age. You know, where you got some life experience, and and if you want to make a law, you gotta have some life experience. Let's. But let's be honest. We've watched the legislature over the last few years, and an 18-year-old might be, bring a new level of maturity to that body. I, I've totally done a 180. <laughs> you are right. 100%. I like this law. Let's change it to 18. That's how easy I can be swayed. Oh, that's awesome. It's a great question because I saw that story and thought the same thing you did. That's, that's a, a great question, Gatos. we got to change it. Yeah, let's get to 18. Let's do it. They're more mature. Let's do it. All right, I'm on. I'm on board. Thanks, Gatos. Thanks, man. All right, man. The Big Q Poll Question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Uh, we talk taxes, the economy, and the impending inflation and maybe recession next.